listeners. Welcome to Tuned In Dialed Up. We are a podcast about podcasts and exciting news. It is another, it's time for another of our From the Sound Up contest winners. We don't have music for this part. (laughs) (laughs) So we have with us today, Sam, is it pronounced Baron or Baran? Baran? It's pronounced Baron, like a desert. Baron. Dope. Love hey. that. So we have with us Sam Barron, um, who is the mind behind Tales of Spasming Hill. Um, could you please tell us about your podcast? Yeah. So Tales from Spasming Hill is uh, another one of those, it follows, you know, the great tales from tradition. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, tales from Lake Wobegon kind of thing is, you know, all those stories going together. Uh, it's a small town in Oregon, a fictional town that's, set, it's, you know, built on a hill. It's beset by earthquakes. Why? That's why it's so spasming. And it's like mm-hmm. a town where weird things happen, but everyone's just kind of pretty chill about it. Like, so, you know, weird stuff's going on. There's like <laughs> magic and casual police states. But everyone's like, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's all right. as you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I, we also have Gavin, my lovely co-host. Hi, Gavin. Hello. How are you doing, Hi. Gavin? I have a soundboard at my disposal, so I'm doing great. Terrible. <laughs> Should not be allowed. <laughs> Absolutely Bad illegal. There's, there's an actual reason for it today. So uh, at least there's that. That's true. So for listeners who haven't heard our previous episodes, From the Sound Up is a contest that we plan on running every year. This was our first year where we wanted to bring podcasters on to discuss their episodes um, with us, kind of to show everybody what it's like for me and Gavin as critics to go through an episode um, and give some feedback. Um, So First off, I want to talk about the episode that you have given um, for your entry. So Spasming Hill is an audio fiction. Um, I should, Tales from Spasming Hill. I might Mm. accidentally truncate, sorry. (laughs) Um, It's a really complicated title, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great title. So you've given us today um, Color Confiscation Day. This is your fourth episode. Why did you choose this episode specifically? Um, So this is basically the point in the podcast where I felt like we kind of hit our stride and kind of figured out the dynamic between everyone involved is kind of the first episode where everything kind of just really fit together really well and everyone you know had great great lines it was a really fun episode to do it was real weird and it really captured I thought the essence of Spasming Hill so it kind of brought everything together and I was like yeah this is what I wanted to make um, so even though it's the fourth episode I feel like it's the first like real episode of spasming hill yeah so gavin and i have only listened to this episode we wanted to make sure that we were giving it um you know kind of feedback outside of listening to the entire work Mm -hmm. so is spasming hill is it totally episodic or is it is there a serialized story that goes with it as well so with i have like spasming hill exists in lots of different forms but in the podcast form um it's it's episodic like you don't need to listen some of them are like you know pairs or so forth but Mm -hmm. you don't need to listen to any of the previous ones to kind of enjoy a particular episode all the characters are kind of self-contained they always introduce themselves it's always kind of clear who's what um because my characters are always like i'm x from here and you're just like okay this is just how they talk that's what they're like um but there's kind of over like arching storylines is like, you know, story arcs that kind of run through several, several of the stories. And there's like world elements that enter into a lot of the episodes. So while they're episodic and they're self-contained, you can still like, if you listen to the whole thing, there's like little bits and callbacks and, and little mm. arcs that you can kind of follow throughout, which I, I think is really fun because I hate, 
things where you're like, oh, it's episode 97 and now I have to listen to the first right. 96 episodes. Ugh. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just want to, you know, jump in and, and be able to know what's going on more or less. So, yeah. Makes sense. Gavin, do you have any questions before we hop right into discussing segment by segment? Uh, not really, because our first segment is actually the introduction, so I felt that might be a nice, good place to start. <laughs> Perfect. Let's go ahead and jump in. Alrighty. In a town beset by earthquakes, secrets can shake loose from the most unlikely places. Tales from Spasming Hill. Rex Sokol Smythe, Newsmaster. Important reports reported importantly. Danger. On guard, news fans. Intrigue. Is that what you're wearing? What? Outrage. That'll be $3.99. I object! Rex Sokol Smythe, the man, the myth, the low-fat yogurt sweeping the nation, reporting for the Daily Spasm. And thus we have the most uh, Inception-esque uh, uh, television intro ever. <laughs> oh, I really like this intro a lot. I think it's a lot of fun. I think that it like immediately says what the show is going to be like, both in structure and in tone. I love the music, by the way. The music was absolutely <laughs> perfect. And I love um, how you know it, it tries so hard to be like intense and grasping your attention. And then all of the clips are just like you know, little nothings, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the whole point of it is the whole the whole tone of the show really is everyone, they're trying to be, they're being serious journalists. They're doing serious journalism, but they're never serious at all. Um, so right. it's always like that thing where you're, I'm doing my job great and I want to make sure the people are getting what they need. And then you're also just like, they're just goofs and they're just being super weird. Um, and low fat yogurt, I don't know. It's just like very yeah. absurd. <laughs> I just had a lot of weird stuff and I was like, yeah, this is a good theme song. It um, does yeah. fit the uh, the madcap zany feel of the yeah. the normal pattern that is to follow throughout the next 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm very yeah. happy to hear that. I would say the only thing, if I were going to give some feedback on this, the only thing I would say is that maybe editing it a little bit like more close together to kind of keep that like news anchor energy up you know just a little bit faster um but i did like the pacing with the music so it would have to be kind of a give and take on that absolutely listening back i'm like you know you know when you go back you listen to things oh, you yeah. edited a while ago yep. and you're like oh yep. my god there's so many pauses in there there's so much <laughs> dead air and like i was like oh what just say the next thing already <laughs> yeah. um but um yeah it's you know but i think you're right about the music my um my voice i was actually gonna use a different one but my the voice actor for rex actually decided to davy he decided to actually he said no no use this use this and i'm like all right so i did and i'm like oh this is much better so i'm glad the energy carried through because that's what i want like i want it high energy but like really chill while you're yeah. listening <laughs> yes and that's davy reynolds yeah yeah that's right oh he's Who played great. um he's rex zorkel smythe the the chief reporter for the daily spasm which is Maybe a TV outlet, but also maybe radio. Also, maybe they also yeah. have a publication. No one's really quite sure. And I, yeah, let's actually dig into that a little bit because <laughs> I, at first, I was expecting it to be a radio station. But then they were also at the scene, you know, of the town hall. And I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. But then also there was like a lot more going on. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Okay. But I really liked that. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I liked that the medium was unclear and like didn't actually matter that much. I'm glad that you did that versus sticking to one specific thing. 
in a way this is oh, i apologize for the the pretension that's about to follow it really <laughs> feels like original radio drama from the 40s uh, th- there's like this like whenever you listen to older comedies there's a lot of that weird like dream logic <laughs> to how scenes follow through or like framing devices just don't happen or are abandoned um as the actors get to the point of whatever they're getting mm-hmm. to uh the fact that these reporters don't necessarily have rhyme or reason kind of adds to that um we're putting on a play aspect of <laughs> spasming hill which i really like I listened, uh, I grew up with, my dad made me listen to a lot of fire sign theater growing up. Um, and if, if you're not familiar, fire sign, fire sign theater is like this group of goofy dudes, you know, cause it was mm-hmm. back in the, in the whatever forties or fifties when only dudes did radio. Um, mm-hmm. as we know, um, definitely there were no women in existence, no, but zero. Um, <laughs> they certainly didn't do any Foley work or anything ever. Not None at all. all. No production. They just didn't exist. In nope. fact, they didn't exist till the sixties, but, um, the fire sign <laughs> theater, they, they had a lot of this, this dream logic, um, where they just kind of went from, you know, one scene to the next and didn't really matter like how they got there. They were just there and this was happening it's a little bit like improv sort of like the transitions matter for sometimes if, if mm-hmm. the scene demands it but a lot of the time who really cares how you get there um because you're like okay this is the next scene like in a book right you turn the page the next chapter like here's a new scene it's fine mm-hmm. um so with audio it's not really that different i find <laughs> sorry my thanks phone's thanks gavin contrarian. <laughs> That's okay. I forgive you. Um, just adding some <laughs> your sound phone's effects being from your soundboard. Just like you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it has, yeah, it has that kind of, wait, what was I saying? Transitions. Uh, transitions. Yeah. So it has, it has that sort of thing where transitions don't matter. And, and the weirdest part is like, as you said, there's no real like logic or consistency to how they broadcast. Sometimes they have a camera. Sometimes they're just like, there's also like a daily spasms, also a newspaper. So I don't really know what this mega corp is that produces like every form of media all the time somehow with like three employees, but they do it. <laughs> um, I assume they just don't sleep. Yeah. And that feels like totally <laughs> true to the characters too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they get they they do a lot of different things. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we hop into our next clip, which is cleverly titled Clip 2. Good job, Gavin. Good job. All right. It's color confiscation day, folks. That one day a year where the council remands all the color in our town in order to promote awareness of just how valuable colors really are. Right you are, Rex. Most of us go about our daily lives taking things like blue and green and a violent epileptic shade of pink for granted. Man, I am a just I am just a sucker for a a, a three hit joke like that. <laughs> <laughs> like you can you you I, know you know the third one's gonna be goofy from a mile off, but it still yep. lands. <laughs> yep. I, I feel like I oh sorry, continue. No, 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 go ahead. I was just gonna say I feel like I stole that formula from the people who write Night Vale, and now I just use it all the time because here's the thing have, though. Yeah, it's like that that zany or the, the, the what is it screwball? It's not even screwball comedy. That's mainly physical. That style of humor is so like ingrained in radio. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I actually I do want to pull on that Night Vale inspiration a little bit. So, when I was first listening, I was very worried that most listeners would tune into like you know a few minutes of Spasming Hill and think, oh, it's a Night Vale ripoff, and turn it off. Obviously, I you know I know that it goes to some really exciting, fun, weird places, and I think that yeah. the having the two hosts versus just one and the the tone is very different. Um, did you ever worry about that when creating Spasming Hill that people were just going to say, "Oh, it's a Night Vale ripoff"? 
So originally, Spasming Hill was created as a Night Vale ripoff uh, oh. back in 2012. <laughs> but then I was like, hey, I can make this my own thing because actually the characters and the t- world has its own stuff going on that isn't just Night Vale. Um, and I, I agree with you. Like it, it does because, you know, it's it's a media broadcast about mm-hmm. a weird town where weird things happen. That's very Night Vale. But um, I think where it really differs is that in my podcast, it's really one. It has kind of complete arcs. It's it's very mm-hmm. much about a single story that that you follow through in each episode. Whereas Night Vale is kind of like you know very like here's a sketch, here's another sketch, here's mm-hmm. another thing, and then um, there's an Arby's. But, yeah, and then yeah. there's glowing lights above the Arby's. But um, I feel like also there's a lot more. It's a lot more action focused. It's a lot mm-hmm. more driven by what's happening more than just kind of playing with words. Um, I, I there's a lot of wordplay, but I also feel I, yeah I tried I tried really hard because I'm like I don't want it to be Night Vale something else, right. and I feel like the characters and their personality and and sort of the tone is different enough that it yeah it, it kind of distinguishes itself. Yeah, it's also definitely. weird in a different way. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, well, given the fact that your characters actually do things like yeah. it, Cecil does it like the the that computer episode which ends really depressingly. Uh, <laughs> Cecil would go out and do things in Night Vale, but um, I think shows like um uh, king falls am even mm. even they who were like married to the framing device of it being radio realized early on you have to do something at some point so they started doing right. like live episodes of the characters being out and about the fact that you've got rex uh just kind of bumbling around town <laughs> yeah. doing whatever <laughs> it's very good it really it really just opens up the the idea that this town is um it gives the ta- it gives the idea of Spasming Hill being a place, not just a setting, a little bit more mm-hmm. credence, mm-hmm. which I really like. I'm a sucker for like Gravity Falls in settings like that where oh, they are yes. as important as it's not just a name; it's like a place, you know. Yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of Wooden Overcoats in that way too, where like the setting and everybody who lives in it is much more present in this than something like Night Vale for sure. Yeah, and I actually, there would, there would have been, I don't know, there would have been a lot more characters if I had more voice actors, but I feel like there would have been sort of more, a couple more people kind of showed up throughout the episodes if I mm. kind of had access to that, but for a lot of reasons that wasn't going to happen. And also, I'm pretty happy with like the sort of four to five characters per episode, because it kind of lets you, yeah. you know, you have your staple characters that always show up. Um, and then you just kind of, you can, I can kind of like build, I'm like, okay, well, what's happening in the town? What's going on from what happened before? Because I didn't write them all at once. I wrote them every like two ne- weeks. We were doing like a fortnightly schedule. So I was just mm-hmm. writing scripts like crazy. Ooh. And it's just like, like, it was really fun how the story kind of led itself on to different places. And it felt feels very alive, um, which is, I mean, you know, Gavin, you said that, you know, that it's, it's a place, not just a setting. Like, yeah, stuff's mm-hmm. happening in Spasming Hill. And I want to know what that is. Right. And Jumping off of talking about uh, your cast of characters, can we just hop right into the next little section? Because I'm very excited to talk about it. Alrighty. Well, we can't say what they stole. We can say that they also swiped several cans of Wizard Mayor Vorthox's favorite beverage, grunge soda, from the fridge. If anyone has any information relating to this heinous crime, or will buy Vorthox more soda, please contact the authorities living under your couch. Love Vorthox. <laughs> A heist, huh? Did someone say heist? Ah, what the hell? <laughs> Lex, don't sneak oh. up on us like that. You frightened poor Rexy. Where the heck did you come from? It all began one warm afternoon. The civilians trod softly down the squalid streets of our city. Huh. Civilians. There wasn't an innocent soul among their whole filthy crew. Listeners, in case you're unfamiliar with Lex's thrilling crime noir experiences, that was a direct quote from Suddenly a Roscoe in the Night. Hey, I love that play. 
It has lots of action and crime and thrills and zombies. It doesn't have zombies, Rex. You're thinking of Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I oh. love this trans this transition. <laughs> it is perfect. It is so funny. I laughed out loud the first time I heard it and also all subsequent times I heard it. It's so funny. It's so immediate. It's so good. Um, I just, I think it was really brilliant and a great choice. I love, I think it's like a risky choice to just, you know, immediately switch to the next thing, but it works so well. And Lex is ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it's very, yeah. Thank you so much uh, for, I, I'm really glad it made you laugh out loud because it's intended to, it's, it's silly, but you know, like, obviously I'm like every other audio fiction person in the universe. I love like, you know, crime, like film noir, kind of mm-hmm. like crime fiction kind of stuff and all those tropes. And it's really fun just to think that you have like this kind of amateur playwright writing mystery, like crime plays, just snooping around town waiting for someone to talk about mystery so he can pop in and be like do you need a crime solved and then just like launch into this <laughs> completely unasked for narration where he's like the town is so dirty and dark and i'm batman i'm gonna save everybody and, and it's know, like, like diegetic and out loud nobody's innocent <laughs> yeah right um <laughs> It's just a lot of fun concept to play with. And, and you know, but the fact is, again, he's like, he's very serious about his job. He's here to solve a crime. <laughs> does he pop up in other episodes? <laughs> um, Lex Flypaper, does he pop? Yeah, he does pop up, I believe, later yes. in one other episode in the season. But he also pops up. He's one of the most recurring characters in my um in my kind of expanded spasming hill universe and also uh suddenly roscoe in the night is three quarters written script on my hard drive so oh, nice um so you may be able to look forward to that but yeah he shows up a lot he's such a fun character um to bring in but it's like it, i don't want to overuse him either because he's only for specific sort of settings and fields because mm-hmm. otherwise he kind of hijacks the mood you know right. But also as a writer, it's really fun to just start flexing that no one's innocent in the eyes of yeah. <laughs> rain cleans the streets of the cities, but these sins can't be scrubbed away. <laughs> yeah. Um, Writing that stuff is most fun. This is completely unrelated to anything we've been talking about, but Rex was in that clip, so it reminded me. Did you write Rex before you had a voice actor? So, okay. So yes, the first the first episode came about like the first episode dungeon crawl was actually a short story i converted into a script so like this would be fun if people did voice acting let's just do like a one-off thing Mm -hmm. um and then i wrote rex as a pretty silly character but then date like i got davy to do like the voice for it i just was asking friends and he you know he's like yeah i'll do it and then like he from then on i wrote the character with his voice in mind because i'm like holy crap this guy like he has such a like just such a strong kind of character and voice and, and feel that he gives the character very much almost more than any other character I wrote around the voice actor um, more than kind of my own thing. And also while we were recording, he just changed all the lines a lot of the time anyway, into whatever <laughs> weird stuff he had. And it was great. We kept it like at least 60% of the time. Like every time he did some weird improvisation, it was great. Is he like legit Australian or yeah, I'm pretty sure. He's, he's, <laughs> no, he's from Sydney, I, I think so. And I, I, actually, th- my next clip is is one of his, so we should play that while we're, right. while we're okay. talking about I'll finish him. finish my thought there. A reporter for the Daily Spasm, trying to make a buck in a world where there's maybe seven bucks at most. I was casing the joint when all of a sudden danger, danger was there, and I was too. There was danger cheese, and I shot that, shot the cheese, and now it's full of holes. Swiss cheese. Danger. 
So I don't know what danger cheese is. He invented that. Um, I was going to ask how much of this was scripted and how much was just him. The first half was scripted and then there was some other stuff after that. But he just kind of was like went off on something about danger was was there. And, and I was too. I wrote up to that. And then he was just kind of like danger cheese. And I shot it full of holes. And I'm like, OK, sounds good to me. That's great. I love it. Whatever. Sure. Because um, it's kind of his own you know, inner monologue. He knows the character better than I do. So. Yep. I, yeah, I just so, I feel like I oh, need ahead, to Gavin. if we had medals or like yearly awards at TDU, there has to be one for like least stunt casting Australian voice in podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> and right, seriously. And right now Rex is winning because usually when there's an Australian voice in something, they're there for the comedic effect, uh, or it's because it's a podcast made in Australia. Uh, right. It's it's just uh, nice. Yes, definitely the latter. In this <laughs> yeah. case. Yep. Yep. It's just really nice yeah. to see a character who is funny and Australian and it's not just like blimey the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, we recently had um, Aaron Keon from Love and Luck on. Mm -hmm. He was talking about um, putting out a casting call that specifically said, like, hey, don't do a fake Australian accent. We're Australian. We can tell. And, you know, obviously got tons of fake Australian accents. So <laughs> I mean, it's even nice while, hearing a legit one. <laughs> even while Aaron was so, talking in the background, you could hear me straining to not do one. <laughs> So none of none of my none of my characters actually like for me it was just like if they have a good voice and they can do it, like they have like a character and they kind of play the character I don't really care like what their accent is yeah like, mm -hmm. it didn't, I wasn't like it's an American town but no one there is American pretty much like apart from me with my you know American accent so it's like people are just whatever and if that's the voice that they want to do then that's great for you know Vermilion Bandersnatch just ended up being like British for some reason I have no idea how that <laughs> happened but and was like yes I'm British now and I'm like okay sure why not go for it so um but more or less I was like very happy to have lots of Australian voices because it's just you know they're they're playing characters who live in a town and that's their voice and that's great mm -hmm. um it's not silly like to you don't need a silly voice because the podcast is silly enough more yeah. or less yeah <laughs> we should also i realize we should probably talk about the plot of the episode <laughs> oh we should yeah that probably so makes zero sense at this point <laughs> wow mm. yes yeah, sam why don't you discuss the plot of the episode overall so color confiscation day is uh every every year um there is a holiday where the city council or the mayor um the wizard mayor like, the wizard mayor. Well, yes, right now he's a wizard mayor while uh, Jacqueline Hyde is, you know, uh, off for other reasons. She's not, can't be mayor for the moment. But um, mm -hmm. they, they usually sponsor a, a pay a wizard to remove all the color from the town for the day to remind people again how important colors are and how you shouldn't take them for granted. Um, but uh, there's also a theft that occurs during this episode um, where some of, you know, wizard, the wizard mayor's cans of soda are stolen. Uh, and they're trying to figure that all out while kind of bumbling around and, and having their own little adventure in the, in City Hall, um, trying to figure out how to get the color back because Vorthox's book of spells has been stolen. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's why uh, Lex comes in to help solve the crime <laughs> well helps a strong word but he does come yeah, uh he does arrive there. he is there he's there yes. <laughs> the um also the context of the prior clip we just played which you probably should have given before was several characters do their own noir like mm -hmm. rant and that was rex's like coup d'etat 
so all of them like like everyone was they weren't weren't content to let Lex have his you know do his own little monologues over and over so mm-hmm. that at some point after he does one they all do their own one and they're all relatively kind of serious and noir and then Rex comes in with that Danger ridiculous cheese. voice and mm-hmm. yeah and just ruins everything so you have the record scratch at the end where they're like you ruined the mood Rex <laughs> <laughs> how are you so bad at this really bad at it um Very I love bad. that. I love that they're very serious journalists doing their very serious job. Um, and Jacqueline is like, seems to be good at things. And Rex is just uh, incredibly, incredibly not. Just <laughs> very bad at things, at least in this episode. In, in some ways, aggressively realistic in that way. All right. Uh, at that point, and I yeah, think we're good for clip number. Let's see. Let me count here. Five. Let's see. <laughs> Shine your book, mail. Why, thank you, Z-Wave. Aren't you just the most thoughtful? Oh, looks like there's a tear here. I'll have to fix this. Mind if I hold on to it for a while? I don't see why not. It's not like I can spell the color back anyway. Ah, yeah. I still got it. So this was the first time that a piece of sound design stuck out to me in a way that kind of was was jarring that I wasn't um, expecting. The paper tearing sounds very much like it was recorded on a different mic than what the actors were. I'm guessing this was, did you find that, um, that clip online somewhere? So yes, almost all of my sound effects have been taken from like freesound.org Same. or various other online repositories because, um, I don't, I mean, you, you think I could just record paper ripping, um, yeah. and in retrospect, that would make sense. And I should have done that, but I didn't. For some reason, I was like, here's a very loud and jarring ripping paper sound from the internet. <laughs> and we're going to use that instead because it's going gonna, it's gonna to work great. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> uh, it's very jarring. I agree. Um, it's just out of nowhere. You're like, what? Especially because there hasn't been a whole lot of sound effects prior to that in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely. One of the things. So I went, we went to PodCon and <laughs> there was this, um, this workshop. Humble flex. <laughs> I mean, I mean, kind of. <laughs> it was a time, mm-hmm. um, but there was this, there was this session that was done by uh, Dan Powell of Archive eighty one, and he was talking about like the benefits of finding online sounds versus doing live foley, and it was really interesting. Um, I think that a lot of, I would say, especially first time producers would do the same thing where they would they would just pull all of those sounds from um, an archive of some sort. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you said, it's a little loud. It's a little jarring. And if you would have recorded it on your own mic, I think it would have blended in with the mix overall much better. Mm-hmm. I, I agree completely. It's, yeah. it's so it stands out so much. And also, it's not like it's a hard effect to record. <laughs> It's yeah. not like it's oh <laughs> birds out in the forest at at dusk. Like it's not. I don't oh. have to do. I just I can do it in my my room. Like I can rip paper anyway. <laughs> oh, it's just not... you wait. You'll find an effect that sounds easy to do in person, and then you spend two hours on it. But Gavin, <laughs> ripping ripping paper surely ripping ripping, ripping paper is easy. But I had to do um character writing uh, an order on their notepad as a waiter, and oh no, that's impossible. Yeah, you no, getting get getting the sound of a pen going 
and then a good thunk of hitting a period that took me like an hour to record. It was embarrassing. Wait, really? Yeah. I'm so curious as to why. Because um, like, uh, what didn't sound right about it? The fact that it was such a soft sound that to make it mm. to make it louder made the background noise incredibly loud. Um, it's also because mm. Gavin was just using this mic he's talking into instead of like a recorder or something legit. Um, uh. in on the case of using free sound and stuff like that, like. Don't be afraid to go too low is my mantra on that one. And I, this is completely unsolicited oh, yeah. advice. It better it to be too Gavin, quiet. This is, that's literally the, the purpose of this episode. What? Yeah, that's why, I, that's Gavin. why I'm here. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm sorry that you're being subjected to this thing that you said you wanted to be subjected to. But if it's okay, here's some feedback. I, I, <laughs> do work. All I will say from my experience listening and mixing stuff is it feels like better to go quiet in the early edits so that you lose it later and then go, where the hell did that paper sound effect go? Mm -hmm. Then when, so this is me pulling back from my, my English tutor days. Um, When you write something, it's really easy to then let your brain just kind of yada, yada, yada through a sentence, even if it doesn't sound right when you reread it later. So if you, edit something that so it feels weird later because like you intentionally leave it broken um it'll or leave markers in the edit depending on what if yours reaper or whatever um just to help things stand out a bit more because i i know i lose sound effects super easy <laughs> yeah yeah when you when you kind of fade them down and fade them down and fade them down you're like oh it's still a bit too loud and then you're like eventually like listening back you're like wasn't there a sound effect here once <laughs> And then, like, look, scroll down all the way to the bottom of your session. You're like, oh. Yeah. Oh, there's hey, 50 of them. And then you just boost it back up to unbelievable levels. And you're like, it's fine. They've Render. made, <laughs> Go. They've made their own society of sound effects in the bottom 15 tracks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking They're about. Unionizing. They're unionizing. There's too many sound effects. All right. Uh, well, why don't we hop to the next we, one? We do have uh, one more clip. Yep. We'll see about that. Detective senses activate. No, wait. Where'd old man McCready go, Velma? So this is another time where I think sound design could be cleaned up a little bit more. I do really love the transition back into uh, the noir music. The music throughout the episode is really fantastic, by the way. Just very, very good. Um, but I, one of the problems I have often with action scenes in audio is I have a trouble um, kind of visualizing what's going on. Um, and I think that some, some sound design that had a sense of space to it where you could tell like, oh, this person's over here, this person's over here, you know, they're coming from this way and then there's uh, a hit from here. And you can do that with, um, you know, with the mics, you can kind of locate, I mean, not the mics, the... Um, the mix. Canning. Yes. Thank I was about you. to say, Will, you just you just suggested no. buying an, an ASMR mic and don't having an that. actual yeah, don't fight. Do that. <laughs> no, don't do that. You don't need to LARP. It's okay. Welcome to my You don't need to ASMR LARP. <laughs> to ASMR sound design scene. Take that. <laughs> we do too many goddamn ASMR jokes have on we? this podcast. Have we? Gavin! I don't feel like we have. One thing uh, not relevant to what Will's saying, because I'm so helpful. Uh, 
I the commit. <laughs> Sorry, Will. Your point was good. No, but you're, you're, you're <laughs> Will. Your on. point's fantastic, but I do. I don't want to. Forg- I don't want to leave this behind. The commitment <laughs> to the Scooby Doo bit is beautiful. Yes. Uh, it's real good. I expected it to be a one-off gag because th- that usually no. is. But the fact that Rex commits Nate commits Scooby Doo characters to everybody and then keeps them straight the whole episode was whole fantastic. Episode. Very good. Um, yeah. I also want to point out that's not just in this episode. He often, like, oh my God. throughout the season, he often references uh, Scooby Doo characters and Speed Racer um, come up <laughs> fairly frequently. Um, and he identifies people as different members of like the Scooby-Doo crew or, you know, how much he loves Speed Racer and kind of how everyone around him should be more like Speed Racer. Um, that seems very fast. on brand for him. <laughs> yeah. He's all like, um, <laughs> so yes. Uh, okay. Uh, wait, am I responding to what Will said? Will, yeah, yes. Will. Uh, yes. The sound design. Um, I agree. <laughs> it, when I listen back to that that scene, I actually cringe like a little bit because it's just kind of like just some noise and nobody knows what's going on i can't even tell what's meant to be going on some people screaming i'm not really sure where anyone is right there's like no physicality in the scene Mm -hmm. Um, that's a great way of putting it yeah um and and just people like it's just any like you know nonsense like it's just noises um the only bit that's kind of clear is sort of the smoke bomb i feel Mm -hmm. kind of works a little bit but yeah you're right the rest of it's really hard to locate and and visualize um yeah and i agree it's not nearly as effective as it could have been um although i will say i still still don't really know how i would stage those better it's really difficult to stage a fight scene Mm -hmm. um or an action scene with just audio i find um so you know i I love like when people manage to make it work Mm -hmm. definitely so you've produced uh 12 episodes of spasming hill and i can tell from the way that you're talking about this episode that it sounds like you've learned a lot since even even this one um what would you say have been the biggest things you've learned from starting Spasming Hill? Uh, honestly, the biggest thing I've learned from starting Spasming Hill is how to like work with like directing voice actors and also hmm. uh, taking care of their needs, like kind of, you know, make, including them in the process. Because it's very easy to be like, OK, here's the script. Now read me some lines. If you don't do it right, do it again. And it's it's kind of because that's kind of how you feel like it should be done. You're like, okay, you're mm-hmm. going to read the lines. They're there to produce voices. Um, but obviously they have feelings and input and they like need to, you know, you need to take care of their needs as well because they're a part of this and they're giving you, you know, whatever you're asking for. Um, so I found it, I've learned a lot about like working with directing with, with other people and kind of, you know, n- not ignoring their needs as well, I guess, um, which I guess isn't really the audio side of it, but that's kind of like one of the big things. Um, do you record, um, do your, do your actors record just remotely? Do you do ever like table reads or anything with them? So every single performance, except for one episode where Davey was in Melbourne, um, were recorded live in a studio at my community radio station here in Sydney. So I got everyone into the studio at the same time, more or less. Usually sometimes somebody had to come in on a different day and record kind of between the other lines. Um, but it was all on site. None of it was really done remotely. Um, wow. Yeah, which is a luxury that I know most people don't get. Um, so it made it very easy to kind of have people, you know, get the feel of it and, and kind of work with each other because there's no sort of having to go through cameras or, you know, microphones. Mm-hmm. What would you say that your direction style is like? Like what kind of feedback do you usually give to your actors? 
Um, so normally when I, when I was, when I was directing this, I would normally be, you know, you want to, I normally very encouraging them because they're all did really great jobs. Um, but often it would just be kind of like small things about like the way they said particular words or, or sort of like, you know, of course at the beginning, sort of like trying to get the character voice now down. Cause a lot of the people, mm-hmm. you know, the one-off characters, you know, just trying to kind of find a voice that worked. Um, but a lot of the, the kind of direction was just really kind of like going back over stuff for style, but also like, you know, obviously trying to trying to push that like you know obviously you know uh not not congratulate them on everything because that's ridiculous right. but sort of like where they do something really good you're like this is great this you know i love this this is what i love about it mm-hmm. um to kind of make make it clear that there's particular things you value not just kind of like good job here's a thumbs up you're doing great keep it up um and also encouraging people to work with each other so kind of like just to play back and forth a bit as well um and always have a read through beforehand uh have everyone read their script beforehand kind of mm-hmm. like have a little session before you record or or you can secretly record it but just so everyone kind of gets familiar with it so they know where they're going um and don't be afraid if someone wants to you know go somewhere else in the script or do another scene they don't feel like that scene right then just you know that's fine too mm-hmm. um because it's it's not kind of like locked in time <laughs> right yeah that may i think that's something that I didn't think about before where like obviously you don't have to record everything <laughs> at the same time mm. like films aren't but for some reason that didn't occur to me yeah Gavin what because I know that you've started working on you know standard docking procedure and you've done some shorts now um what are what have you learned about directing and in, in the amount of time that um, you spent on that, that I need to spend more time on it <laughs> uh well, the okay. thing is, the way I've, uh, I've written scripts, I think I talked about this last time um, we recorded something. I think it was the PodCon episode. Uh, seeing mm. the, the caption notes on that clip from Archive 81 Season 3 and how it was almost comedic seeing the, the sound effect described in deadpan clarity uh, re- made me realize my scripts for Standard Talking Procedure say what the character's feeling sometimes but it's more um here's Mm. shorthand so gavin can remember how this scene slots together and i have actors who are good uh so i think i've accidentally made them do a lot more heavy (laughs) pulling than they need to uh i've yet to bump Mm -hmm. into a situation where i've gotten a performance back that's not what i needed um but now i'm like Mm. oh i should probably keep focused on that maybe make sure it doesn't happen uh so yeah from a director's perspective it does feel like get people talk things out give people annotations <laughs> if everything's remote stay on top yeah. of the fact that certain actors need uh uh different notes than other ones based on how that character is acting mm-hmm. that episode uh i'm super jealous of the uh, of you getting to record something in a like an actual radio booth with the people in the room yeah, the yeah. Dream. very, very lucky. I know that's <laughs> not even close to the norm. So that's wonderful. I'm I very happy. Save me you. so many annotations. Yeah, yeah. How much direction do you put into your script? Um, very, very little as far as character. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't have a lot of like moods or emotions. Only when it wasn't clear, right? Like, only when I had a very different sort of delivery on a line than you would expect. Mm-hmm. I guess. So when you they, you know there's some sort of line, and you're like, oh, these are several ways it could be pre- pre- you know presented. But I had a very specific kind of way. I kind of thought it could be delivered um and i sometimes put like vague ideas of sound effects that might pop up somewhere or where to put pauses pauses were probably my biggest annotation Hmm. just kind of like leave some space because otherwise you know people tend to you know interrupt themselves or or you know put in breaths or go over themselves 
Um, so I find putting pauses really helps pace that. But other yeah. than that, annotations, I, I feel like they're really largely unnecessary a lot of the time because your your, peop- your voice actors are like putting their own yeah. life into it. Like they're, they're putting their own annotations as they go. And like they know, I don't know how it's going to be delivered. I don't know the best way to deliver it. They do. So, you know, whatever mm-hmm. they come up with is usually what I want. Yeah. What advice would you give to somebody who wants to start in audio fiction today? Okay, so get a friend or a a partner, someone to give you determination to keep writing because it's very Mm -hmm. hard to do things solo. The reason why this project went so well is because I had the constant encouragement of my voice actors and I could keep talking back and forth with them and, and exchanging ideas and stuff about that. And without that, I definitely would not have gotten all the way through that this the, that season of the podcast um i think it's really important to also not worry if your thing's similar to other podcasts because like uh, my biggest fear with this really was like it's going to just be like worse night veil um and and like it was it's like a big thing i'm like oh i'm making a podcast that's kind of like night veil okay cool great fun there's a lot of those um but just don't like everything's like something else but yeah just, believe in your own thing that you have that that's going for you and and also just don't be afraid to get weird because like audio you when you ham it up it still comes through like remember like it always loses a lot of the weird in in the podcast so like Mm -hmm. when you record it you lose that like a large degree Mm -hmm. of all the energy and weirdness you put into it so make sure if you go really hard it's fine like it's gonna work out yeah that's a great piece of advice because I think that a lot of people worry about being no, yeah, too it's, big. It's really hard to be too you know, big but... in audio. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, there is so much loss between the translation of the page to the audio. And then especially, like, you have to remember, I think the one thing that writers don't often think about is that they already know what things sound like in their head, you know? But new listeners won't already have that there so it has to be emphasized a little bit more because people don't like they don't have that you know <laughs> that that pre like they they didn't yeah. write it they didn't make it yeah. so they don't know what what it's meant to be like whereas you wrote it you're like oh yeah it's like this obviously right, well, i mean even right, the like course. the 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 yeah. shorthand of the film noir detective that's that's somewhat born out yeah. of a bunch of film crews were bumbling around the same like square mile of LA trying to make something <laughs> that communicates something quickly and cheaply. And they're like, Oh, we'll use French blind. We'll, we'll steal some stuff from French cinema and use blinds a lot. And he's going to talk really gruff and they hook us <laughs> a lot. We're going to talk about sex workers a lot as if they're animals. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> you just have this. You, right. Well, this episode shift with, shipped with a you know a Photoshop filter for nice. that, so you could put blinds all over whatever you were dealing with to get in the mood. I mean, it didn't, but I wish it had. Well, um, and oh, I also I think one one more piece of advice with yeah. that um, also is to like um, what I was going to say uh, like don't don't be afraid to just reintroduce your characters, like use names all the time because yeah. guaranteed your people don't sound the same to you, maybe, but like no one can keep track of all those voices, so. Don't go crazy with too many characters in one scene. You can have lots of characters, but like not in one scene. And then just have them identify each other all the yep. time. It's just, it's much yep. better. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And have fun with that. Like my characters do all sorts of weird identifications and give each other yeah. zany nicknames and whatever. Um, it's fun. Yeah. I'll mute my microphone for this airplane. <laughs> so we've got like 10 minutes before top of the hour. And I want to make sure we still close out top of the hour. Be mindful of your time. Um, so... 
Is there anything that you wanted to discuss about this episode, Sam, that we haven't touched on yet? Um, I I guess sort of like I don't know. Does it like it doesn't feel like you know we were talking about earlier about like how stuff happens in Spasming Hill and and yeah. with audio fiction, it's very easy to have a long time pass without any kind of action. Like, do you feel that the momentum is sort of conserved, even though it's sort of like chill and everyone's kind of laid back? Do you feel like there is a sort of strong impulse in it, or does it kind of still just feel like you're kind of just bopping along from one thing to the next? Oh no, there's totally momentum in it. I think that's one of the the biggest differences between Spasming Hill and Night Vale is that it, it does have a clear plot trajectory and it does have um it's actually sort of a a quick pacing that's a little um a little kinetic that i really like madcap that's i i like that there's this this whole episode madcap (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that the pacing of it was really great especially because they're they're short episodes this one was what just under 25 minutes yeah something like that yeah, you um, fit a lot of story into were, all into of a the episodes are under half an hour. Yeah, I um, love that. And I did that on purpose because it, it it gives me a boundary to work within, and also like it helps me make sure that the action kind of stays up. Because every episode thing being like a sort of self contained plot, mm-hmm. it can be easy to lose the momentum with an idea if it goes on too long. So it kind of gives me a way to sort of structure it a lot easier. Um, and try because like, all of them I try and keep that energy high because that's like. In audio fiction, what I like the least is when you're just kind of sitting around waiting for the yeah. next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like you have characters, they're doing character development and sometimes that's fine and sometimes it's sweet and wonderful. But then sometimes it's just like the characters are just kind of there being characters. And while that's that's fine, like there's sometimes can be too much of that. Um, so that's like why I like, I don't, you don't need, don't need to have like an explosion rock the ship or something. Right, but like, right. like you need some sort of, in- injection of momentum because otherwise it can really easily stagnate and and because when you write it down it doesn't seem that long you can mm-hmm. write out like a very short exchange that feels like a minute and then when you record it it just drags on mm-hmm. no so... i don't think that was a problem with spazzing hill at all i think you really i think you really nailed down that momentum well, thank you yeah and i wanted to open up questions um for you too do you have any questions for me and gavin as critics because i i don't feel like many podcasters feel like i i always worry that podcasters feel like they can't ask me questions (laughs) and no i just i just tweet at you and then you go oh here's an article on everything and i'm like oh that answered all my questions yeah (laughs) so they all arrive neatly in my inbox and i'm like oh wow will's answered another one of my questions i try (laughs) um um, i mean I, i i guess i don't know like it's hard to it's hard to because I've never really like tried to be critical too much about podcasts. Like I can mm-hmm. have, you know, the discussions where it's like, oh, this is what I like about this or, you know, Griffin McElroy is doing this again and I don't like that. And he falls <laughs> into this routine too much. Um, You're telling me the horse you, like, joke how do you is actually, overplayed. Like, you chose the clips. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. There's a lot of things that are overplayed. I'm sorry. I'm just going to put that out there. That's fair. Um, but Hot also take, to be fair, they release it. They release it weekly and they've been going for 9,000 years, so it's fine. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> and we're still listening, so who's who's really at fault here? It's true. Um, <laughs> but I would like to ask, like, how did you, like, choose... How do you choose clips? Like, how do you decide what to focus on? Like, how do you pick out... Like, what are you looking for when you pick out these clips? That's a really great question. So, for me, at least, um, I listened to the episode in full 
um, just one time through to get the full scope of it. And then I listen to it again and make little notes of like things that caught my ear, you know, like mm-hmm. like catching mm-hmm. your eye, but it's my ear. Um, whether it's good or something that I might, you know, give some critical feedback on. Um, my first round, and it depends really production to production. My first round almost always is sound design notes because um, that's what my ear tends to focus on the first time I listen to something analytically. So I pick up on the sound design first. And then after that, I'll probably do acting notes. And then after that, I, I do usually writing notes. Um, my brain latches on to the actual sound of a thing before the actual content of a thing usually, which is um, annoying as hell. <laughs> it's really <laughs> it's really annoying. Um, but, you know, it, it does, I guess, have me focus on parts that I think a lot of other listeners might miss. Yeah. So I would say that the way that I pick is usually that order and then honing that down, I try to just have a, a good mix of things that really, it's about surprise for me, whether that's positive or maybe a little bit negative. Um, the right. things that surprise my ear are usually what I pull. I think uh, when I, well, uh, the, the full disclosure, the uh, clip time codes were Will's doing this time. Um, <laughs> I, I, I did have, I did have. Yes. <laughs> so, so Gavin doesn't well, actually do critique. <laughs> Gavin's just kind of given, given that I publish <laughs> once every couple of months. That's a fair assessment. Uh, when I did the clips for uh, the previous from the sound up we recorded. And when I was taking notes for this one, um, what I usually do is mm-hmm. I'll listen to specifically for from the sound up. But if it's something I'm going to end up, I think I'm going to end up reviewing. I listen to it while doing something else to kind of distract me, like play a chill video game that doesn't have like a mm. lot of soundtrack or, mm-hmm. um, uh, like wash dishes mm-hmm. so that I get like normal go through. And then the second time I'll sit down and have a word doc open. And anytime a thought happens, I just timestamp it and type it. Uh, and then, I mean, that makes an episode seven times as long, but by the end of it, I have some thoughts from just listening to it normally. And some thoughts from that kind of specific focused listen um, were it for a mm-hmm. review it would be less of if this exact time code, I would just listen to it multiple times. And then while mm-hmm. writing it, if a line or a particular moment really popped out, it will come back to me and I will focus on that. Um, kind of like, like my very first thing I wrote from the pod report was a thing about um, one line in girl in space. Cause it was like a really good little tiny <laughs> one line piece of world world building that I really liked uh right mm-hmm. yeah yeah so just stuff that really but stands that's, out the, i mean it's yeah. it, from the sound up yeah. we're specifically here to uh talk about focus things some a little bit more on the ball <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure well turning yeah the gavin dial all the way up to 11 <laughs> turning the gavin dial all the way up to 11 would just be i Gavin's mean there was a trains. there was a train whistle that's sound just... effect oh. earlier during the there was a train yes it killed That's my true. ears. I regretted. Yeah, I did. I, I clicked the wrong seconds. one. <laughs> <laughs> this is why Gavin should not be. I'll actually say boards. this. That's what um, I really learned today. The, we've come I'll full say circle. this: that sound design <laughs> panel at PodCon saved me from potential future tinnitus because uh, Dan Powell was talking about recording Foley at a train station, and he just mentioned to somebody who worked there what he was doing. 
<laughs> and that person then told him, hey, we're about to uh, try out a horn to make sure it works. And he was like, oh, if that person hadn't warned me, I would have had it at full sensitivity right next to a, an engine when the whistle went off. Yeah. Uh-huh. So now anytime I'm anywhere yep. near train tracks with any sort of headphone, I'm going to be like hypersensitive to that. Yeah, now I <laughs> now I know this. I, as well. I, well, I did it whenever I'm near. I did it train tracks opposite, or soundboards. Like I broke you first, but now you know. <laughs> it's a completely unfair lesson. Hey, you learn you Wonderful. learn lessons uh, by pain. Yeah, yeah. So after all of that, <laughs> Sam, uh, where can people find you and yes. Tales from Spasming Hill? Um, so I can mostly be found on like Twitter and Instagram, uh, and Twitter at no good story ends. Um, and on Instagram at p- pajama underscore Sam pajama with a Y. Um, if you really want to see lots of like pole dancing content, you can get some really hot videos on there. Um, <laughs> but nice. also I post a lot about audio stuff and, and stuff like that as well. Um, as for spasming Hill, you can go to spasminghill.com where all the episodes are. And I still post like blog posts while I'm working on the next episodes or the next season mm-hmm. and the short novel that's it's in progress as well. Um, that should be coming out sometime in the next few months. Um, you can find updates and stuff on the website, spasmingho.com. I am bad at social media for my podcast, so I don't really update that too much. But um, there's also a Facebook page, Spasming Hill, uh, as awesome. well. Tales from Spasming Hill, if you're interested. Oh, y- y'all, we, we went into this recording from a different world than we're going to be in when we leave because I have been alerted that the uh, uh, we got our first look at Will Smith as the genie in the live action Aladdin while we've... Oh no, my God, you I haven't had, seen no, it That yet? was horrifying. Ooh. I saw that like five minutes I before just we saw started. That. It was awful. Gavin, look at no! it right now while you're on mic. Okay, yeah, this is... Please. This is... <laughs> decisions it's were made. So bad. It looks... It, It's awful. The true successor to Shazam. <laughs> it's like a. Well, now that it's we like a PlayStation Two graphic of Will Smith's face on a PlayStation <laughs> on a on a on Kingdom Hearts Kingdom Heart Two spoilers. Looking at it, jeez. All right. Um. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for joining Sam, us. Thanks so much. Will, for where trying. can people find you online? <laughs> thank you very much. You can't find Will online anymore. <laughs> I you will never have a friend I'm like ghost. me. You can't Yeesh. find me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Will, where can we find you online? <laughs> people, can, people can find me on Twitter at, at Will W. Writes, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you got it. Yes. At Will. Yeah? Yes, that's that is correct. Okay. That's you can find, find me you. on my website at willwilliams.reviews. All right, for Discover Pods and the podcast host and also Polygon. That's where people can find me. Gavin, where can people, people find can you find and also tuned in, dialed up? At dialedupodcast.wordpress.com, <laughs> which is where you can find show notes, all that fun stuff, previous episodes. And if you want to find us on Twitter at tuned in, dialed up, I am at the pod report on Twitter, T H E P O D R E P O R T. Will Smith's looking at me while I'm saying this. Uh, I paused it at a very bad moment. <laughs> uh, my website also now has a .com, so now it is just thepodreport.com. Whoop-de-doo, I'm a professional. I've joined the 21st century. Uh, 
that's where we're going to leave it with this <laughs> horrific new world. <laughs> oh, Disney. Which we'll be sure <laughs> no, to No, we won't. Find it yourself. It's so blue. <laughs> I'm totally not going to put his face <laughs> over the thumbnail at 3% opacity or anything. <laughs> that should, should just be the whole thumbnail. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. All Bye. right, listeners. Bye. Oh. <laughs> See ya. What a fun way to end that episode. That was the dumbest thing we've ever recorded. I love it. 